You're listening to Inside Acting. To learn more and make a donation, please visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm Albert Meyer. And on this podcast we interview actors, casting directors, directors, writers, filmmakers, agents, producers, managers, anybody in the entertainment industry. And we bring those interviews to you. And of course we want to keep it as open a dialogue as possible, so please visit our website for the multitude of ways to do that. Uh, and actually, maybe we should talk about the uh, the website a little bit. Um, we'll be getting some feedback on it, and we want sure. to possibly do a redesign. So if you have uh, ideas or things that you'd like to see, send us send us an email. Send us a, uh, an email or leave us a comment on the website. We're going to be trying some things out over the next couple of weeks. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so we've got a really, really, really great two-part interview lined up with actor Neil McDonough for this episode. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of you out there that recognize the name right off the bat. And if you don't recognize the name, you certainly recognize the artwork. Um, he is a, a pretty prominent actor. He's been in Minority Report, Walking Tall, Band of Brothers. You can IMDb him. He's been in basically everything Steven Spielberg's ever made. <laughs> I think, more or less. I mean, him and Tom Cruise. Yeah, right? him and Tom Cruise. So, um, uh, got that great interview coming up in just a little bit. But before we roll into that, um, let's do a quick catch up. What have you been up to this week, Albert? Uh, well, first of all, I just kind of wanted to say something about, you know, last week's sort of debacle. Yeah, um, yeah, we should. Trevor and I, I mean, Trevor, you know, kind of talked about it in the little uh, added intro to episode 14. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty details, but we were just basically betrayed left and right by technology last week. And uh, I, I'm really, I don't know what to say. I'm really uh, sorry that happened. It, it uh, you know, we try to, you know, keep this uh, high quality and professional and we were just you know, it wasn't anything that we did or had control over. Um, and we just, we lost, uh, some data. And the good news of, uh, about that is, as Trevor mentioned in the last episode is we are going to have Bonnie back on the podcast. She's already agreed to come back and do another interview with us. So if you asked questions of Bonnie, uh, we did ask them of her in the original interview and she responded, and we're going to ask her those same questions again. So for those of you who ask questions uh, that while we were recording, uh, those questions will get answered when we have Bonnie back on, on the podcast. So stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. Um, so what have you been up to? Other than that, I... Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. Uh, I am in the process of changing my stage name. What? Yeah. Remember how, you know, it's so funny because we've had this conversation multiple times on the podcast. People have called in. They said, you know, like uh, Stephanie Oberhansley, you know, asking about her name, asking about changing the name. And, you know, we talked about your friend that changed his name, that kind of thing. Uh Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be changing my name from uh, Albert to AJ. Same last name. And my middle name is actually John. So I'm just using my initials. So just A and J. AJ. So it's going to be AJ Meyer. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you don't change it legally or you don't have to change it legally. Right. I just called uh, the unions to let them know. And I uh, registered with, let's see, when I signed my new contracts with my commercial agent and so on and so forth, I signed, or I put stage name A.J. Meyer 
on there. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so that's uh, that's going to be it. That's going to be my professional name going forward. So it's so been... Uh, sh- should I start <laughs> calling you AJ then? You know, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about, you know, using it on the podcast and that kind of thing. I think it's you. Look, I mean, you, you could you could pass for an AJ. You know, just kind of <laughs> looking at you. Like I could, if you told me your name was AJ, I would believe you. Well, I have because, like I said, my <laughs> really my name's AJ Trevor. Um, no, I have family that call me. You know, because my middle name is John. I have family that calls me AJ. So it's not off base at all. And I'm actually a junior. My dad has the same name as I do. So um, there's always been. There's had to be some way to kind of distinguish between the two of us, and that's been one of the ways is calling me AJ. Uh, it's been an interesting process, but if anybody has questions or would like me to kind of go into that a little bit more, uh, feel free to, to send in a question on the podcast. But essentially, I just called all the unions and three, three questions I have for you then. Number one, why? What prompted this? Uh, a couple of different things. Uh, we talked about this when we were talking about before about, cha- you know, people were asking us about changing your name. I said out loud... It's it's on it's on tape, so <laughs> there's proof. I said, you know, I've I've thought about it for a long time about my name and how it's kind of you know um, <clears throat> not a weird name, but it's not a, a name that you hear all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are, and my manager thinks that there are certain associations that go along with that. And I and it's funny because now that I've been telling people that I'm doing this, other people have said, oh yeah. That's totally true. Or they've even said it before I had a chance to say it. But the only other really famous Albert is Albert Brooks, who's like a comedian, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not, uh, you know, a, a writer. I'm not that kind of, of, of artist. Because there's a lot that you can do to kind of preface your... I don't know, your look before you even walk in the room. I don't know how to really describe that. But before you yeah. walk in the room, you want to have a, a, a certain impression or give a certain impression to a casting director. And I just think that Albert gives a different impression than AJ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the other two questions then, are you going to up, how are you going to update this and or change your credits on IMDb? And are you going to update your website domain name? Uh, yeah, that's something that I've also been thinking about because I do own albertmeyer.com. Mm-hmm. So I have to purchase ajmeyer.com. And the, as far as IMDb goes, they have a name change uh, oh, do they? request okay, thing great. that you can do. Great. Yeah. Cool. And I have IMDb Pro, so I can go in there and, and do that. Cool. So. Yeah, we should we should just just for a minute or two talk about IMDb Pro because it's a pretty good tool. It's what yeah, 13, we not, 13 bucks a month. Yeah, now have we not talked about that on the podcast before. Maybe we have, but I, I don't know. know if we've talked about it in yeah, depth. It, no, it's a great it's a great tool. Do you have it? Do, I don't. You, I had it for a little while, and then I, I just I had to kind of trim costs for a little while. You've so used I, mine I got rid before, of it. though, right? You've, uh, like, I have it. We've talked about it, okay, but I, okay. I never have. Um, yeah, well, would you want to talk about it a little bit or? Yeah, I just think it's a really great tool. I mean, let's just talk about what it gives people. I know a lot of the LA actors listening to this, um, have it and use it in LA. It's yeah. kind of like a must have kind of thing, mm-hmm. but, um, we have a lot of listeners from other parts of the country and, and other parts of the world that I think it may not be as obvious how important it is to have a tool like that. Right. So can right. you maybe just give a little <clears throat> well, description of what it is? The, the, the way that I use it is. You can go in to IMDb Pro, look up a movie, an actor, someone like that, and you can find out who represents the people around that movie and also who cast the movie. There's a lot of information you can find that you can't find on sort of the surface level IMDb, um, which is also a great tool. I mean, IMDb by itself, not IMDb Pro, is a great tool. But, yeah. like, <clears throat> for instance, if you want to go in and see who represents a certain actor. You can go in, click on their profile, and then it lists the their representation information. 
And you can go through and say, you know, this is their agent, whether or not they have a manager, so on and so forth. Uh, with with the big names out there, like the George Clooney's and the Tom Hanks, you even get publicist information, you know, and that that kind of thing. So it's a it's a really great a really great resource. Just yeah, you can find casting director information, who casts certain shows, who casts certain movies, things like that. Yeah, I use it. I use it all the time and I don't even realize that I'm using it because I've had it for so long that I just go in and when I go to IMDb, I'm automatically logged into IMDb pro and Mm -hmm. I'm just using the pro version of the website as opposed to the regular version of the website. So, yeah, cool. Very cool. I like that too, because AJ is, it's not like, it's not, not your real name, you know, it's just just an abbreviation. So it still works. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so let's, let's roll into some voicemails. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before we get into the interview. Uh, we've got two voicemails to play today, right? Yeah, and then uh, there'll be another one in the next episode, part yeah, two, part of, two, part two of Neil's Neil's interview. Yeah. So this one is uh, our 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 friend Esther Pavinsky, and uh, I'm going to start her her voicemail uh, about a halfway through because she spends the first time just talking about how she likes our podcast and stuff. Thank you, which is Esther, cool. Which Thank is you, great. Esther. Thank you very we much. We love but, that. We love that. Just in the interest of time. Do you guys, like, know, I mean, I know it's a cliche, like, I need an agent, blah, 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 but, like, are there agencies that are, like, developmental agencies? Hmm. Because I've been turned down by an agent, and they were saying, like, you know, you need someone that's going to develop you. I don't know if they just weren't interested. It was kind of a specific case. But I don't know if you guys know anything about that. Um, Plus, I don't know if I should... Also, be with a children's agency because people usually look at me and think I'm 14, but I'm actually over 18. This question was kind of overdue. She sent this to us a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, we got um, yeah we got this question a, a while back. And I feel like we actually this, there was a discussion on Twitter about this recently amongst all the Twitter actors. Oh, really? I think so about developmental agencies and how there's kind of. There's really no such thing as a developmental agency, but mm-hmm. there are agents and managers who are willing to take on and develop talent. Right. Um, your your manager might be kind of in that category. Um, the, like like willing to take on talent with with few kind of professional TV credits and develop them. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that what was the what was the discussion on Twitter first of all before I uh, it was basically it was the, it was almost the same as that question like are there developmental agencies or uh-huh. are there just agencies that like what what do you do if you're kind of like and this this is a question that comes up all the time right. for beginning actors if you don't have a lot of credits. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? How do you right. get work if you if no one right. will sign you without the credits? Right. So. I talk about this during my digital actor workshop. My advice is always to go to Samuel French or, uh, in your case, you had one of these shipped to you. We talked about this before, right? You had um, – there's these books at Samuel French yeah. uh, called The right, a- right Agent, and they are like $12 or $10 or something like that. They, they usually come out every three months, so they're quarterly. And it's basically just a list of – all of the agents in town, all their contact information, what kind of departments they have, whether they have like commercial, voiceover, theatrical, theater, film, like, you know what I mean? Like d- right. different departments within the agency. And then <clears throat> how many agents they have, all their contact info, I already said that, the assistance in the office. And then the most important thing is towards the bottom, they usually, nine times out of 10, have a description of what it is that they're looking for in terms of talent. So 
if you don't have a lot of credits or you you're not or you don't have your union status for instance it says you know accepting or not accepting whatever the case may be union or non-union submissions union or non-union mm-hmm. actors yeah actors with not a lot of credits there's someone there that will literally say you must have you know a a a good resume built up before we'll even consider meeting with you and it's just laid out like that and it's not like they're trying to be you know they have to protect themselves as well like it's a business and they you know the the less credits you have the more a quote-unquote business risk that you are right Mm -hmm. so it's not about them yeah Yeah. it's not about being they're not being jerks about it that's just what they're looking for they're looking to uh, fill out their roster and if and some will even say very specific demographic information like we're looking for you know uh 30s to 40s uh male you know uh people who can juggle i mean i don't know what it is yeah, but you know yeah. it's a, it, it can get it can get very specific in these books when i when i first came out here i went i looked through those books and i was looking specifically for the agencies that were looking for uh like um I don't know how to put it, like athlete Athletes, actors, yeah, because uh, they'll say like we specialize in, in in placing actors in sports spots, you know, whether it's a, a featured role on a TV show or a, a print campaign or a Nike commercial, commercial or yeah, something like, like that. And I, yeah. I was like, well, I have that, you know, I I don't know about the other stuff yet, but I have that, and so that was what I went after first. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's so specific, you know. Yeah. It's like yeah. what we said in in episode eight about using the sniper rifle, sniper you know? rifle, not the shotgun. Yeah, blast. exactly. Uh, and, and you can go, so what I, what I advise people to do is go through those books and take a highlighter and just highlight the ones that may or may not accept your submission because at then at not may not the ones that may, the ones that will may Mm -hmm. accept your submission, the ones that may not don't waste your money. Don't waste your money and your time and your effort putting together a package to send to them. You highlight the ones that are, you know, there's a possibility that they will actually consider, looking at your package and not just throwing it in the trash can. Right. And then you just put one together, headshot, resume, cover letter, and, 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 and send it. Yeah. And send it to those people. So developmentally agency, Esther, I don't know if that actually, like there, Trevor was saying. Yeah. I mean, know, there, there are agencies that are willing to take bigger chances on people if they see potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, they're a smaller agency. Yeah. But I think, boutique. I think the key is that you've got to show them that you're going to be able to make money for them and quickly. And I think a lot of that, comes from showing and demonstrating that you're proactive, that you're, that you're hitting up the casting director workshops, that you're doing your homework and getting into workshops with people that you want to meet and work with, that you're engaged in creating your own work and that you're tracking all this stuff through a tool like uh, performer track, or even if you just have a spreadsheet at home, that you're keeping track of the people you've met with and um, you're bringing that to the table to help this agent better do their job. That's right. going to help you get into a, a good agency, um, you know, developmental quote unquote or otherwise. Right. And so they, you know, they, they may be a smaller, more boutique agency, but that may be a good thing. And it may be just where yeah. you are in your career right yeah. now. Yeah. And, you know, she, she mentioned this is the, the last kind of point and then we'll move on. She mentioned that, um, you know, she often plays, uh, younger than her actual age. Oh yeah. And, also- uh, I think we, we've talked about this before, Albert, but Esther, the ability to be over 18 but play under 18 is huge. I can't even tell you the number of casting notices I come across that want people who are 18, it'll say usually in the casting notice TLY or TPY to play younger or to look younger. That is a massive asset. So mm-hmm. make sure that you really play that up and look for shows that have that, you know, look for the Nickelodeon shows and stuff like that. Yeah. And really kind of make that your aim. And when you go to interview with these agents, 
be specific. Say, I want to work on this because this is an asset that I have right now. Right. You know, and they'll be much more willing to work with you. Right. And they're, if you think about it, they're, they're okay. First of all, there are different rules for miners working on set and that kind of thing. They can work less. So they mm-hmm. usually, you know, they can, they can ultimately cost the production more money because they have to wait. They have to sort of record over a longer period of time because they can work less hours per day. And so because there's different contracts, they're looking for people who are over 18 who aren't minors to play younger so that they can work with you as and, and, and be contracted with you as if you were an adult, because you are an adult. And that way, and that's why, as Trevor was saying that, that these, that, that demographic is so popular. So you may even, Esther, when you're looking through those books, you may even see something that says, we're looking for 18 to play younger, you know, over 18 to mm-hmm. play younger. I'm okay. sure she'll, she'll see it. Yeah. yeah. She'll probably come across that. Great. Great. Well, we, we hope t- that answers your question, Esther. Yeah, totally. Um, if you, uh, if you have other questions, please don't feel free or please don't feel free. Please don't be shy and, uh, you know, give us another voicemail or, or email or whatever. Totally. We have time for, uh, one more. <laughs> yeah, we got time for one more and then we'll roll into Neil's interview. Okay, great. Hello. My name is Gina DeLuca and I'm calling because I'm a vocal instructor and teacher and my students often ask me, when should they get an agent? So that is a question I wanted to pose to you guys is, when should kids get an agent after they've already booked professionally or um, do they need an agent in order to book professionally? So if you could answer that, that would be great. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. We kind of just touched on that question a little bit with Esther's. Totally. It's, it's, yeah. it's a very similar question because there are agencies out there that you will find in that book from Sam French that are children's agencies or they have an entire department in the agency dedicated to uh, child you know child talent right and so it's the same thing you, the approach is very very similar the one thing that i would just add is that i got a chance to sit in on a uh, casting director not workshop but sort of a panel with uh, sharon lieblin who is one of the major or the major casting director over at nickelodeon and um, she talked about, I mean, obviously there was a lot of kids in this panel because she cast from Nickelodeon. And she talked a lot about just all kinds. I mean, there's, you know, Q&A session. She talked a lot about the business. And, and you know, I got a chance to hear her talk about the ways in which they uh, audition people and the ways in which they look for talent. And, you know, the, Nickelodeon goes all over the country sometimes doing these open casting calls. So you don't necessarily need an agent to go to an open casting call. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that you can do if you're proactive uh, without an agent and going like going to these casting calls and just kind of like getting, if you somehow, I mean, it's probably much more difficult as a minor to build a relationship with a casting director, but if you can somehow do that or at least find out who the casting directors are of the different shows, you may even be able to reach out to them sort of not acting as your own agent, but just saying like, Hey, you know, what can I do to sort of, to, to get, to get my foot in the door? What can I do to, to audition and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a little bit of that, which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Cause she said, you know, should they get it after they book professionally or in order to book professionally? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different, paths, you know, so many different ways that you could go. If you're serious about it, and I guess I'm talking to the parents now, 
mm-hmm. at this point. If you're serious yeah. about it or the child is serious about it and you're not just <laughs> forcing them to do it. Um, if they're serious There's about it, a lot of parents out I know, that I know, kind of I know. When you see it. Well, I, I'm reminded of what Bonnie said in episode 14 about, you know, putting a spy out in the, uh, in the cast, in the mm-hmm. sort of waiting room yeah. to yeah. spy on the parents because they have to be on set yeah. to make sure that they're not crazy. That's a nugget of wisdom right there. Yes, definitely. So, you know, if the, if your child's really interested and this is something that they actually want to do and you're not forcing them into it, the thing is, if you, if you get an agent, depending on the market that you're in, like, let's say you are in LA, cause we're, we're, we're doing a lot of assumptions here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you're in a minor market, if you're, if, if you're, you're in Florida at, or Texas or Chicago Atlanta or San Diego, to- or New York, it's like a that. totally different ball game. Yeah. It's a completely different, a completely yeah. different ball game. So if you're in a, if you're in a major market, then having an agent would be almost necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in a minor market, you could probably get away with not having one. Yeah, you know, I, when I was in Philadelphia, um, there, very few actors that were working there had agents. Most of them just had really good relationships with the, with the, you know, handful of casting directors in town. Right. That was all that was required. Right. And and, and the last thing I'll say about this, and then we can uh, jump into the interview, is is that the other thing that agents do besides submitting you and hopefully pitching for you, but not always, but submitting you anyway, is negotiate. They negotiate contracts. They negotiate pay. They mm-hmm. do a lot of sort of the thing that a you know a lawyer might do if you had a lawyer. So with minors, there's the contracts are so different that having an agent who knows that kind of stuff would probably be advantageous. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's really an agent's main function is to pitch and then negotiate. Right. You know and. Um, you know, you can definitely help with the first part of that. The second part is not so easy to learn. So, right. so yeah, booking professionally an agent is is definitely uh, preferred. Right. Well, and, and like I said, especially with a minor, like those contracts are much different than with yeah. a, an adult. So it it, yeah. it may be helpful to have somebody on your side who 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 sort of speaks that language mm-hmm. better than than you would. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully Great. we answered that question for you, Gina, and your students. Um, Thank you for listening and calling in. Yeah, and you know if they have uh, additional questions, please have them uh, call in, or you can call in, or, or email us, or, or or what have you. Cool. So we've got this great interview lined up for you guys with Neil McDonough. This is part one. Part two will be in episode sixteen. So stick around for that, and we really, really hope you enjoy it. Um, I don't. I that think sounds that's good, it. man. Let's I really, really hope you it. enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back. And uh, we are very excited. Trevor and I are sitting here with Neil McDonough, uh, who you may have seen in uh, Band of Brothers, um, Desperate Housewives last year. And uh, we're very excited to, to have him on our show. So thanks thanks for being here, Neil. You bet, guys. My pleasure. Nice to be here. Was it 75 million listeners at the show? Is that what it is? Yes. That's yeah, amazing. 80 million. 80 million. Yeah. 80 million. Yeah. No, it's yeah, terrific. Yeah. It's like Five McDonald's. Million, <laughs> 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 the McDonald's of podcasts. Yes. This is it. Billions and billions. <laughs> billions and billions. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Excellent. Are, are we going to have to pay for that? That's for using right, exactly. McDonald's? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but that was an awesome plug. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Neil just plugged McDonald's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Um, so, Neil, I just, I get, let's just get, jump right into it. I want to hear a little bit. I mean, I, I know we talked uh, before about you going to Syracuse, and I, I know you uh, attended uh, the London Academy of Dramatic Arts. Yep. And I was just wanted to hear about sort of your start and, you know, um, why you decided to go to con- do uh, continued education and then what happened after that. Well, I think when I was when I was a kid, I grew up one of six kids and I was the baby of the family. So, you know, I had to really try to figure out what my niche would be. You know, my you know, one of my brothers was the valedictorian. Another brother was the captain of this team. My sister was, you know, most popular. My brother was the best hockey player. Another brother was a complete and utter troublemaker. Who, You know, he's my closest brother, actually, which is pretty funny. Um, and then so, you know, when I was a kid, I was really good at sports. And then, uh, you know, from first grade until ninth grade, I got cut from every play. I auditioned for, you know, everything. I mean, I get the tree, the background guy, that kind of stuff. And they never gave me the opportunity to speak. You know, they're like, nah, you're not the right guy for this. Nah, you know, you know, you know. And so finally, in ninth grade, I auditioned for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and I got Snoopy. And and that was it. And, and I knew, you know, from all those years, you know, of, of even at that age, you know, from, you know, six through 11 years old or to 14 years old, whatever it was, I knew this is something that, that I really wanted to do, and finally I got my shot at it in high school, and I really excelled at it and had a great time doing it. Uh, and then after that, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was you know, sports and, and theater, and Syracuse had both. So for me, it was uh, you know, play baseball and you know, be in a theater department that is you know, that terrific was, uh, was really a blessing for me. And then to go to Lambda was, was, was just you know, a, a blessing in itself. And... You know, and after that, I did a bunch of theater, and, and, and that's where I really learned how to, you know, my craft and worked at it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was thrown into the, the world of television, and, you know, this hammy, overacting stage guy tried to, you know, become a, a TV actor. And at first, it, it didn't work either, you know, so I probably, you know, missed out on my first 50 auditions, and but I kept working at it and just trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I now become a great TV or, you know, screen actor? And then I, I really just, you know, watched a lot of film and... and and it would take small roles and stuff, and, and finally, you know, uh, I got, you know, very comfortable in front of a camera. And then after that, for the last, you know, 12, 15 years, it's, it's, it's been unbelievable. You know, it's, uh, you know, to start off in Band of Brothers, which was my, my first big hit, and then, you know, through Minority Report and, and uh, you know, Walking Tall and Boomtown and, and uh, Medical and, you know, Desperate and just all kinds of fun stuff. And now I'm heading off to New Mexico to do a new series with, uh, for ABC again, uh, called Scoundrels, uh, and uh, with, with Virginia Madsen, it's going to be a blast. So um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm and, and Syracuse is, is right number four in the country right now. So I can't, I can't complain about you. <laughs> you got a lot to celebrate. Yeah. Lots and, of and, then, and then I just had my, you know, we just had our third baby. We've had our second daughter yeah. now. We have a son, and Reve, my wife, is you know my best friend and, and uh, there for me in, in everything. So um, yeah, I, I wish this kind of success for any guy. That's, That's amazing. Great. That's amazing. I, I want to rewind just just for a quick second because we've gotten this question before, and I just thought of it when you were telling us that story because you said you did a lot of theater and then you were kind of thrust into the TV world. Yeah. So what was that transition like? Like what what, what were the events that that thrust you into the TV world? Did you move to LA? Did you? Like, yeah. Well, what, you know, was I, I, I was in New York for about you know about six weeks after college. <clears throat> and uh, I had done so much theater at that point, and and I and I got a you know this you know, ham and egg agent. And he's like, okay, I want to send you on commercials. And I was just so completely over the top with everything. And, you know, and, and I didn't understand New York and, and I wasn't a huge fan of it at the time. Um, 
probably being such a diehard Red Sox fan, all the Yankees hats are just pissing me off a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Uh, and then a buddy of mine said, hey, I'm moving out to Los Angeles. you want to come with me? And we drove out here in his truck, and, and uh, I came out here and, and uh, took every odd job there was to, to, to get by. And I do little you know, independent films or you know, little short films and such, and, and I would watch myself, and I'd be like, wow, that's, that's really not good. <laughs> so, um, but I would just keep working and you know finally you know a lot of people like to watch themselves in dailies and such and, and dailies even if you're doing an independent film ask if you can watch the dailies and the only way you should ask the only way you should watch your dailies is in fast forward because if you look at your dailies and, and, and think about oh that line wasn't right or this wasn't right you, you know you can drive yourself crazy as an artist the, the greatest thing is you know as a theater actor because my arms were flailing, you know, my face was, you know, overacting and contorting and doing stuff like that. And so when I watch myself and fast forward, I'll be like, oh, wow, okay, I got to really trim that back and really just, you know, go to the meat and potatoes. And now, you know, my acting has become so, you know, depending obviously on the character, I try to be so exact in everything that I do, any kind of motion, any, uh, or emotion, um, you know, Anthony Hopkins, uh, I, you know, he said it best, I can't, you know, I'll paraphrase, but, you know, every bit you do on screen better mean something. So before I just try to make up things and just be whatever, but really great actors figure out how to hone in on exactly physically and emotionally to tell the story. And once you can get that cooking, you don't need to look at dailies anymore. You don't need to watch your stuff anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I don't even really watch much of my stuff anymore because I've lived it on the day. So, okay, let's go to the next battle. And, uh, you know, because it's you just if when you work hard at something, great things will happen. I've worked really hard on my craft and, and great things are happening. And, and uh, I'm very blessed guy. What would you say was your big um, biggest learn in, in your transition from doing the, 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 the theater stuff to the television stuff? Like, what did you... Uh, what did you focus on? Did you read any books? Did you, uh, I mean, yeah, other, well, than, other than watching the dailies and kind of watching yourself on screen? Uh, we'll, we'll st- we'll, I, I say with some of the greatest, you know, teachers, you know, for, for theater and, and then reading other books and such, you know, the, the, it was so important to, to build your confidence, you know, and, and I think confidence is, is, is as important as, as anything, you know, and then when you pair that with really great teachers, like I had at Syracuse or at Lambda or in high school. My, you know, my high school teacher was terrific also. You know, John Sullivan helped me, you know, become a great stage, you know, funny guy. You know, and when I came out here, all I wanted to be was the funny guy. And then suddenly it became, you know, let's try you as the dramatic guy. And all of a sudden, boom, I got a career as, you know, the dramatic guy. And, uh, you know, Band of Brothers and Boomtown and, you know, those shows, you know, were characters that, you know, that I knew growing up. And uh, so for me, it, it was pretty simple to play although those are very very difficult characters to play because they are so emotional and so uh you know damaged at times and but trying to do the right thing and i think that's what we all are we all try to do the right thing in real life but sometimes we trip on ourselves uh so yeah going back to that it's it was it's more confidence than anything that 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 got me from stage actor to screen actor and and just by doing it over and over again and you know my wife Reve probably gave me the greatest lesson in life when I was doing Band of Brothers you know I would take my character when I did Ravenous we shot in uh, in uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia and Poland and when we got to Slovakia that's where we shot the high mountain stuff and I took the uh, 
the hotel beds out of my room. I'd sleep on the floor because my character was this crazy soldier. I would take ice baths every day. I would do all this stuff. I would run 10 miles. I mean, I was just not, I would eat like nothing. Because, you know, I, I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to Isn't that what James Dean did? Isn't that what, like, all the great actors did? They would <laughs> right, torture themselves method, to, yeah, yeah. to get into the thing. And, you know, finally I was doing Band of Brothers. And, and uh, about two months into, you know, dating Reve, I met her the very first night I got into town doing Band of Brothers. You know, I was just so completely method. I was like, oh, God, I've got to just be this emotional guy all the time. And, you know, just, just you know, not really happy with, with me in life. I couldn't, you know, you know, leave it at work. And then finally one day she says, look, um, I'm not your soldier, Sergeant, and you, you have to leave your work at work if we're going to have a relationship. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm an actor. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to emote all the time. And, you know, I took a long walk down, you know, Piccadilly Square one day, and I'm like, wow, cheapers Of all the teachers that I've had my whole life, of all the hours and money that I spent learning my craft, you know, trying to be the, you know, the greatest actor of all time, you know, this wonderful woman comes along and says, yes, keep it simple. And and since then I have, you know, I'll I'll – you know, keep my work at work because, you know, there's a lot more important things in life than your work. And when you do that, boy, your work gets a whole lot better, you know, because when you get there, you know, there's always, there'll be times when you, you know, think about, okay, I have a scene tomorrow. This is what I have to do, prepare time. But when I'm not, you know, when I have those, that time alone when I'm preparing, great. But when I'm in front of Hervé and the kids, you know, I, I don't have time to, to work on my craft. I have time to just be with my family and living my life. And uh, I think by doing so, it's made me an even better actor. That was a great cheap lesson. That's amazing. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about your process now and how that's changed from doing so much theater and now doing film. And you said you started kind of method. So what's it like now? Like when you get a part? Yeah, it's 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 different. You know, it's you know, I'm not sure if it's Meisner, you know, plus method now or whatever the case is. But it's you know, I, I try to really figure out who the character is and then write a Bible about who this guy is, where he came from, what he did. I remember I was doing a show once and, uh, you know, probably like seven, eight years ago, I won't say which one it was. <clears throat> and I left my character Bible sitting there, you know, on the coffee table one day and somebody went through the Bible and I was playing this really dark character. I'm like, Oh my God, who, what, what's going on? What is this? <laughs> and everyone's sitting, sitting around talking about who this nutbag is with this, you know, who, you know, their, their private thoughts. And I'm like, Oh, Hey guys, what you doing? Oh, Oh, I left my book. That's not my book. That's my cousin's book. Yeah, he's in jail right now. It's the other Neil. That's right, exactly. So you know, I just try to, I kind of figure out who the guy is and kind of, you know, where did he come from? What did he do? Why is he doing what he does? And especially the villains that I play, it's it's really make him as as normal and as much as the guy next door as you can um, with his agenda. You know, I never play a villain like a bad guy, you know, from Walking Tall or Street Fighter or, you know, this this, this last film I did, Ticking Clock with, with Cuba Gooding Jr. It, you know, I always try to play my bad guys as just, just regular normal guys, but they have, their agenda might be a little different from your agenda. That doesn't mean he thinks his agenda is bad, it's just different. And by making, playing him that way, it boy, it makes the villain so scary. You know, because when you see a you know that snidely whiplash over the top villain in a movie, you're like, oh, dude, come on, really? That's not really interesting. It's not under- you don't understand him. You don't, you don't understand him yeah. on a human level. Yeah. So yeah. when you see a guy, you know, like in you know Walking Tall, you know Jay Hamilton for the first three quarters of the film, you're like, well, yeah, this guy's kind of right, I guess. You know, he's just trying to start a casino. I mean, what the? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's got drugs upstairs, but still, he's a businessman. I mean, you know, really? And then finally you realize he's an absolute mental case. Um, but that's what makes the villain so much fun. And, and 
and you know on the other side of it, you know the good guys, you try to play them. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, Matthew Settle, you know, gave, we were talking about it one day, and he said, you know, the good guys, we always need to have um, a kind of a secret inside that no one knows that what the secret is. So it'll always make you know the good guy a little uh, even more human than than possible because it's it's the tendency to play good guys is to play them really kind of flat and that's not interesting either. So th- there has to be that emotional baggage to the good guy. Like my character in Boomtown, you know, he he was you know well he started out as a bad you know type of person, but then you started to get to know him as the as they started to evolve the character, and then he became this. When you learned who he was, you really rooted for this guy. But so then I had to keep adding on the emotional baggage, so it would be really interesting to the audience. And by doing so, it made it you know, kind of riveting. It was kind of like the train wreck that you you were going to watch every week. Uh, so you know, depending on the character, there are certain things I wouldn't call them tricks, but ways that I lean to make them more interesting for the audience. You know, because let's face it, you know, acting isn't just, isn't about, you know, just for yourself. It's, it's for the audience and, you know, the networks want to make sure that, you know, people are watching the show and, you know, selling their cars on television, you know, and such, you know, so I want to keep my job. I better make it as interesting as possible. Like housewives, this, you know, housewives, you know, the, you know, Dave Williams, I played him as the nicest guy in the world. And he really, and he was kind of with a split personality. He was, you know, he had this horrible stuff that happened to him before, but, you know, he was, uh, he had an agenda that he had to, you know, keep and, you know, he was remorseful for any time that he had to do something horrible to someone, but he had to keep to that agenda. Um, and by playing it like that, when you, when you saw Dave Williams in his, in his alone time, you see him in such pain and torment that it made it really interesting for the audience. And the ratings for Housewives last year were phenomenal because, you know, we, we, we played with Dave Williams in that way. And, um, it's, it's, I'm just—I've never been the kind of guy who can just mail in a performance, whether it's a, a teeny movie or a huge movie. I want to bang it out of the yard every time, and you know, and and, and that's kind of what I pride myself at. Hmm. Dan, awesome. Daniel Day Lewis has a has a quote that really stuck with me. I, I don't know the whole thing; it's a big, long quote. But um, what he said that he said that uh, I assume that everything is useful. So I go after every avenue of research or, or discovery or whatever that I can, and then in the end, what doesn't work will just fall away like dead skin. Oh, that's and it great. sounds like you work very much the same way with the character bible and and the kind of the kind of passion that you you go after each part with. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, some characters are much easier to play than others. You know, some are, you know, if it's just a a, a funny goofy character, like I used to play a bunch of them, like in uh, you know Angels in the Outfield way back when or Balloon Farm, you know, the, the, you know. Actually, that's not that's not true at all. When it, when it, <laughs> Angels in the Outfield, it was um, it was my first movie, and it was it was a, a small character. His name is Whit Bass, and he was the relief pitcher. That was it. I was a baseball player in college, and they're like, "Great, you can play it, and fantastic." And then I sat there, I'm like, "Okay, I want to I want to jazz this guy up and you know really make something out of this character." So I made him this absolute nutbag. So I I, I made this guy you know in his mind he was still 13 years old, you know, with this 100 mile an hour arm. And, uh, you know, and here is where confidence comes in. So every day, well, you know, all the guys are training for baseball and none of the guys are really good at it. And I was, you know, really good at it. They're like, well, you don't need to practice. Go, go do whatever you need to do. We'll be ready to shoot in about three weeks. And we're up in Oakland at the time. So I would sit in my hotel room and, you know, the, 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 the opening sequence, the first time you see me in the movie, the first scene that I shot in the movie, 
uh, it's supposed to be Whit Bass throws a pitch. That's what it says in the script. So instead, uh, in front of 10,000 fans and, and Bill Deere, the director, I said, um, I have an idea. Can you just follow me with the camera? And he's like, what? What do you, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to come over here, and if you could just follow me with the camera, I guarantee you, you won't be upset. And he's like, okay, uh, follow the kid. He's going to do something, I guess. And I ran in, and I, I practiced this for weeks in my hotel room. I ran in, I slid into the mound, I circled the mound a couple times, I grabbed the rosin bag off my feet, off my knees, off my glove, tossed it on the ground, did another pirouette, and then slapped my glove and asked for the ball. And the director went crazy. He says, that's just perfect. And 10,000 fans went crazy. And after that, I said, anything you want to do, you just do it, just just do it. Don't even ask. Just just do it. And I would come to um, the set, I went to a toy store, and, and I looked for all the toys that I loved when I was a little boy. Uh, and, you know, little dinosaurs and, and uh, you know, the eight ball and, and uh, like the scene of will I win, will I win, will I win, win, win? And, and it says, maybe. And then I shake it again and it says, yes. I'm like, yay! You know, just stupid <laughs> stuff. You know, and then they started writing, you know, silly stuff for me in in, in, uh, in the movie and, and I had we had a blast doing it. And then after that, we did Balloon Farm where I played this really goofy, over-the-top uh, deputy in, you know, in this podunk town. And, and it was... You know, you know, when, when you can get a relationship with a director like I did with Bill Deere, um, it's it's just a blast. And we did the commercials, and we did, we did so many so much stuff together. And Bill's, a, you know, you know, probably my favorite director. When it's, but when it comes to comedy, we'll just sit around and laugh our butts off for hours on end, and just and just have a great time. <laughs> That's cool. It's yeah. great. I like that mound story. Yeah, it's oh, good. It was classic. <laughs> <laughs> now my son, he watched on TV you know, about, about six, seven months ago, and he was like, and he, and he didn't get it at first. He was like, wait a minute, Dad, that's you. How, what? And he finally, he understands it now. And, you know, and he'll, he'll do it, and it's just, it's just awesome. Good stuff. It's <laughs> great. He runs around the... He runs around, yeah. I don't think he'll be doing too much stuff from Street Fighter, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not if you have anything to say about it. Although he, he, came, he came to the set. We did some pickups here. Uh, in LA, we shot it in Thailand. We did some pickup shots here, and uh, there was a fight scene between me and Kristen Crook, and, and Morgan came to the set, and and I was a little hesitant. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a little bit odd, but you know. And I told I told him, I said, buddy, we're just playing. We're just you know like playground stuff. And he goes, oh, okay, daddy. And they said, in action, we do the scene, and everyone's like, great, great, one more take. We're doing it again. In the middle of the take, Morgan walks on, and I had him say action and cut for for the things. And finally, he walks. He's sitting in the director's chair. He jumps off. He says, cut. I'm like. Buddy, oh my going, God! He goes, Daddy, you your sticks in the wrong hand, and he was right. Oh <laughs> my God! So we had to reshoot, and this is this is uh, a year ago. So he was three and a half at the time, and it was just it was awesome. It was so it was wow. so cool. So that was his first. We got pictures of it, a movie of it. It was it was, it was classic. Oh That's my God! Yeah. He's going to be a director. Yeah, directed by my son, at three <laughs> yeah. and a half years old. Wow! <laughs> He's going to be a director. Okay, guys, welcome back. I love that interview. I, I really loved this this interview with Neil, especially this first part, because um, he talks so much about the craft. Oh, yeah. I was amazed at how little he he spoke about the the business of the business or mm-hmm. the networking or the relationships or, or the marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. It was all about, like, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I'm an actor. Yeah. Which was really eye-opening, because we actually haven't gotten a lot of that up till now. Right. On this podcast. Yeah, it... it- it's interesting and I wonder if it has anything to do with the sort of the place that he's gotten to as an actor. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't ever want to say that like you or I should not be focused on the craft, 
However, because we're just starting out, we have a focus. We have our focus kind of split between the craft and the sort of business side of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I wonder how much of that has to do. Like, I wonder if when he was just starting out, because he didn't even mention it when he was first starting out. He was talking all craft all the time when when he, we were interviewing him. He didn't even mention when he was first starting out, starting out dealing with the sort of like the the industry side of the industry. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm in total agreement with you, Trev. I th- I, that is awesome. I, w- I want to do that. I want to get to that point, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because my manager actually says that to me from time to time, too. She's like, I want to get you to a point where you just have to worry about acting and you're not worried about, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like, you show up and you be, built, be brilliant and I'll deal with the rest of this BS, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's one of the cool things about having a manager for sure. For sure. Yeah. And we should talk more about that in the next episode. Um, cause you have some interesting, uh, stories and, and insights too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been, sure. a, it's been a, a journey even in these first couple of months. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, we'll save that for episode 16, uh, for episode 15. I think this does it. Yeah, definitely. So if you guys have uh, any questions, you know how to get in touch with us, visit the website, send us an email, send us a voicemail, one, two, one, three, two actors. It's one, two, one, three, two, 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 eight, six, seven, seven. Cool. Uh, yeah. We're on Twitter. Uh, I'm twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And I'm twitter.com slash digital actor. Uh, of course, you can tell your friends, leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, last but not least, we Fan would us love on it. Facebook. Fan us on Facebook. Thank you. We <laughs> always forget you that You always one. forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, you do too. You do too. Um, and last but not least, uh, you know, this is a podcast that we do on our own dime, out of our own pocket, on our own time, and we um, would really appreciate any support you guys can give to help us with transportation costs, hosting fees, time invested, all that fun stuff. So there's a donate button on the right-hand side of the page. It's all done through PayPal, and if you're an actor, it's a tax-deductible donation. So don't be shy. Click that button. Donate a penny. Donate a million pennies. Whatever you'd like. Every little bit counts. And thank you in advance for that. Yes, for sure. Cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, we will see you in episode 16. So I'm Trevor Elgott. I'm Albert Meyer. See you next time. <laughs>